0: This episode of The How of Car Washing is sponsored by Focused Car Wash Solutions. Focused Car Wash Solutions is your complete guide to having a successful business in the car wash industry. Visit FocusedCarWash.com for more information. Welcome to The How of Car Washing. The podcast that helps the car wash owner, operator, and manager address the challenges and opportunities associated with building and running automated car washes in today's fast-paced environment. And now, here are your hosts, David Begin and Henry Lopez.
1: Okay, my guest today is Aaron Green. He's the president of Focus Car Wash Solutions here in Colorado. Focus Car Wash Solutions specializes in car wash construction providing services, chemicals, and consulting to car wash owners and operators all over the country. Aaron was a managing uh, partner of two express car washes here in Colorado, which were named a top 50 car wash in 2007 by Modern Car Care Magazine. And he was recently featured in an article in professional car washing. In Auto Laundry News in 2010, Aaron's been on the uh, board and served as vice president and president of the Rocky Mountain Car Wash Association. And he's also served on the Planning Commission for two years in Parker, Colorado, and he received his Bachelor of Science degree in horticulture from Kansas State University in 1995. So, Aaron, thanks for joining us today.
2: Hey, David. Thanks for having me. Appreciate I really appreciate
1: it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So Aaron and I are good friends. We've known each other for about 10 years. We talk a lot about car washing and we talk a lot about a business. And so we get into some interesting discussions on business and entrepreneurs. And in your line of work, you see a lot of people who are thinking about making the jump from a job, as we would call it, to, to becoming an entrepreneur, becoming their own business owner. And so uh, you probably see a lot more of those people than I ever do. Uh, I, I, I hear a few of them, they they come up to me and say, hey, I want to get in the same business you're in, or what does it take to be your own business owner? But you see a lot of that just based on uh, what you do and the type of business you have and so we always talk about what are some of the mistakes that entrepreneurs make, and you had a pretty interesting discussion and some pretty interesting ideas as far as mistakes that entrepreneurs make as they're getting into business, but also what's the mistakes that they make uh, while they're currently running their company. And so that's what I want to kind of talk to you about today. I know you are you got this whole idea of what you call the value of zero, so I'm interested in, in what you mean by that.
2: Uh, yeah, well... Um you know, just quickly, my family was a farming background. Um, and so I've kind of grown up, those are entrepreneurs, whether you, you know, you look at them that way or not, they're an entrepreneurial spirit. They're in business for themselves. And, and so regardless of whether it's farming, car washing, dry cleaners, whatever it may be, right. You want to own your own business and, uh, there's this entrepreneurial spirit. And so, uh, Yeah, we really enjoy just talking about business and 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 what that is.
1: Yeah, and usually I do ask people I I didn't ask, but um, how did you—you've always worked for yourself. So ever since you've been out of college, you've pretty much been a— Yeah,
2: so I graduated uh, college, and I went to work for a year and a half for somebody in Kansas City. Um, And since that point, um, I've pretty well— been in business for myself in some form or another. I had a landscape company. Uh, that's where some of these ideas came from. The value of zero um, what that means to a to a uh, not only personally but in a business. Um, and so a lot of these things have come over time that um, through not only successes but also failures.
1: Yeah, yeah. You've had some failures, which is interesting. We we had a podcast earlier. We talked about the failure of one of our frozen yogurt shops, and it was it was a difficult. Conversation, but um, you know people do live through failures and uh, they become better for them. So,
2: which is the second half of understanding the value of zero okay. is um, good times and bad times and understanding failures and 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 those kinds of things. So, yeah, it's um, what what feels like a failure today is actually um, probably something that can propel you to some bigger thing later. Yeah, yeah. If you yeah. use
1: if you use that experience and your you know it doesn't doesn't completely bowl you over, I guess. Right. right, Yeah. 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 So to tell me about this idea of the value of zero.
2: So the value of zero, um, everybody looks at zero as a as maybe a neutral number or a negative thing. Um, and when you're starting to get into business, um, there's a couple of things I tell people, but the first thing that you need to understand is the value of zero and how important zero neutral is in your business. And what this means is money in equals money out, um, and this goes with the concept of time. And when you start to when you start to run a business, and when you start to look at things, um, you have a certain amount of capital at your it, at your disposal, whether that's through a line of credit or what you had stored up, however you have it, you have a certain amount of capital to operate your business. And every day that you operate below zero, meaning you're spending more than you're bringing in, you're running out of time. And uh, so zero buys you time, and time is a commodity that you'll never get back. And so it's incredibly important when you're starting a business to understand the absolute zero of business and that's not. this is not a time where you get to fool yourself. This is not a time where you get to um, sugarcoat it. This is absolutely what I have to have to keep the doors open and um, get there as soon as possible because zero buys you time. Okay,
1: so let's getting some examples. Say you have $500,000 in capital. You've started your business. You've paid for it. You've got $500,000 in capital that That's that's what I like to term some runway rooms. Right. I'm, I'm a pilot, so that, that gives me a longer runway in which to play with. But what's the mistake people make that might have a line of credit or might have capital buildup or might have invested all this money in a business? What are some mental mistakes they make where they're either going to consume that or they misjudge
2: that runway? The first one is... Um probably in your own personal life that you have looked at your personal budget and said, uh, you came from a background where you were earning, let's say a hundred thousand dollars a year and you built a lifestyle based on that income. And now you want to go into business for yourself and you think, Oh, well I could really, really get by on $50,000. And that's probably not realistic. Um and so that's on your personal income side and on your personal lifestyle side, it's probably where a lot of people make a mistake going into business for themselves. Okay. Because they shortchange what they think they can live on.
1: Okay. Okay. And when they start business this is the one thing I see people do is they they count on that business to provide income for them. Right. Pretty much out of the chute. They might have quit their job and uh, you know, they either don't have income, or they're relying on savings, and they're expecting this new entity to pretty much provide them with their income for a long period of time. Yeah. And so that's that's a that's a big mistake I see. And and then as a result of that, they end up taking the money. They do up. They'll end up taking that hundred thousand dollars a year out of the business at a time where maybe they shouldn't be doing that.
2: Yeah. Or they say they've set aside five hundred thousand in capital. Right. And they start pulling from the capital and, and you begin to muddy the waters in your books. Right. And um, if you have put this five hundred thousand in an account for the business and it's on your balance sheet, um, now your balance sheet is going down. And so um, and probably the other one, and those kind of all go together. But the other thing that I see a lot of people do is they they don't really have a concept of how accounting principles all go together.
1: Yeah, we 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 see that a lot. I'm surprised. I've looked at uh, the books of other businesses that want to sell, and uh, I'm amazed on how people keep books. It's it's frightening.
2: Yeah, and and as a business owner, and this was one of my first mistakes. Right, was not understanding uh, what is shown on a balance sheet, what is shown on an income or profit and loss statement, and what is shown on a cash flow statement. And they all show different things. And Um, while you don't have to be a CPA or an accountant to, to know them, uh, you have to know what they're showing you in your business. And so if you had 500,000 set aside and you go, oh, well, I'm not taking money out of the business, but you're pulling money from the 500,000. Yes, you are taking money from the business and you're shortening your runway in what your business can produce or how long it can stay in business at a certain level. Right. Um, and so these roads are going to collide. Um, And you're going to come to the why in the road sooner than you thought you were.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then people start making bad, bad decisions and bad mistakes in their business because they've cut the runway. Yeah. They've they've cut the runway shorter than they should have.
2: Yeah. And so, um, so it's really understanding and not sugarcoating what you think the income is you can produce or how much, how little you need to survive on. Um, And, you referenced it earlier, right? You begin to make bad decisions. And so you start looking at, um, okay, well, now I'm running out of money um, and m- marketing. I'm going to pull money from marketing so that uh, I can keep the doors open longer. Well, that may be a bad – that may be a really bad decision for your business. Yeah. Um,
1: what, what, are, what are some other things you've seen entrepreneurs do? I mean, we can talk about it from a car wash standpoint. What do we see people do that feel like they're struggling uh, – because they're not their cash flow isn't quite what it needs to be.
2: Well, um, what do we see in the car wash world, I see a lot of people do is um, then they begin to look at the expense side of the ledger uh, immediately, right? And um, how can I shoot an elephant with a BB gun, right? And if you're losing uh, twenty thousand dollars a month, right, in your car wash business, uh, how can I cut my soap costs? Yeah. Right, and that's in essence shooting an elephant with a BB gun. Um, you know, you're you're trying to figure out how you can save three cents a car or four cents a car. You know, give it even ten cents, and you know, at the end of the month, that saves you five hundred dollars. Yeah. Right. Okay. Great. Now you're losing nineteen thousand five hundred. Right. You've you've done nothing, and so people instead of trying to figure out how to bring in business and how to increase revenue. The first place people always go, and it's probably a mistake, is to go to the expense side of the ledger. Right, right. Um, and, and then— You just can't save enough.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's, a, it's good to always scrub your expenses to make sure you're not spending too much. Yeah. Right? But in that case, you're actually cutting your nose off to spite your face because now you're producing a poor product where you're saving $0.10 cents a car. And, and, and because it's a high fixed cost type of business and low variable cost— it's very difficult for for owners to go in and say, how do I cut cost effectively because most of my costs are fixed costs.
2: Right. I mean, uh, the, the next one that you would probably look at in our scenario would be labor. Um, and it's, it's one of the things And understanding the value of zero, right? Um, there's a book out there, uh, that The E-Myth Revisited. Mm-hmm. And it's the entrepreneurial myth, why most businesses fail and what to do about it. Um, And it's, there's concept in there about uh, working on your business or working in your business. Um, And if you don't understand the true value of zero, and by that, I mean, in your budget and in your planning and in your thought process, if you haven't included enough labor expense so that you can spend time working on your business instead of running the line, uh, you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. And so as you get into business for yourself and where you see people go wrong is they go, Oh, I need to cut labor. And now you're in the back room making pies instead of out trying to find the next person to buy the pies. Yeah. And, um, so you're not helping your business grow in any fashion at all anymore. Now you're just producing what is already coming in the door and you've not, and again, you've probably cut a few thousand dollars out of your expense category at the end of the month. But not enough to make a difference. To make a difference. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I've seen people even shorten their hours. Yeah, trying to cut labor, <laughs> yeah. which you know, which is crazy because you're talking about a multi-million dollar project that you've closed because it's costing you twenty five or thirty bucks an hour to run it in yeah. labor. Yeah. So I've seen people do that before too. Yeah. Which doesn't make much sense. And then the other area people would cut back is in capital maintenance and capital improvement.
2: That's a longer term, um, to probably. Hurting you, you know the first ones: uh, marketing, labor, uh, immediate labor; those kinds of things, right, can have an immediate impact. um, Short chain, you know, uh, uh, the product, Mm -hmm. lowering the product quality, cutting back on your long-term maintenance. um, That's one you won't see for a while. Right, that's one you won't see for a while. We call it deferred maintenance. Yeah, right. Um, And you and you may be feeling really good about yourself for the next few years, right? Um, And all of a sudden you didn't increase the revenue enough. You haven't put money away. Um, and now you're looking at a, you know, twenty, thirty, forty, $50,000 maintenance item. Right. That's going to keep you from production. Right. And you don't have the cash for it. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or or the guy that buys your business, you know, he's buying something that's kind of junked out, which means you're not going to get nearly what you thought for that.
2: Yeah. Another one is, uh, accruing for expenses. Right. Um, And this goes back to what we were talking about a little bit ago about understanding a cash flow statement, a balance sheet, and your income statement. Always be prepared. There are going to be some cash flow items. Taxes is always one of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Property tax, personal property tax is going to come knocking on your door next year. Yeah, yeah. Right? uh,
1: I, I know of a car wash locally, not quite locally, but one here that went out of business because their tax liability was something that was so unexpected. Yeah, in the year they thought they were doing well, and they shut the business down.
2: Yeah, I mean you can you can look at your bank account and go, oh my goodness, I've got seventy five thousand dollars just sitting here doing nothing. Um, I can go out and buy some new some new capital, right? I can go out and buy some new equipment, and I can go out and improve my business. And you go out and you spend fifty of that, um, and then the next month you get your your tax bill for forty thousand. Yeah. And you don't have the cash. Yeah. And interest begins to accrue. And before you know it, you find yourself in a bad cash flow position. And uh, so you weren't accruing for that on your books. You, you you weren't aware that it was coming.
1: Yeah. You weren't putting away two to $4,000 a month right. for taxes where you probably should have yeah. done that. But, yeah. And, again, in our business, one of the advantages, obviously, in the car wash business, it's a pretty low accounts receivables type of business. So we – a lot of – owners don't have to worry about the, the cash flow management part of their business. They sort of say, do I have enough to pay my bills this week? Do I have enough to make payroll this week? But yeah. the cash they've got is pretty much the cash they've got.
2: Yeah. And it, so... When we go back to just in general business, right, um, a couple of uh, people ask me all the time, well, what's great about the car wash business? Well, very low receivables, right? But it's a high fixed cost business. So every month, whether I'm producing X amount or not, my expenses are primarily X.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, get into a storefront business where you're going to lease some, some kind of storefront and sell a widget, right? Um, the difference in those kinds of businesses are you probably have to carry inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, but your, your monthly cost to get in, um, your barrier to entry is pretty low. It's a, it's a lease space probably, right? So all of these business things, but they all come down to how do we manage cash flow? And in yeah. one business, I don't have to manage cash flow as well because it's ongoing. The other one, I have probably a line of credit. I have inventory, right, that I have to manage that cash flow and, and work it through as it comes out. And, and
1: then if you take it to the other level where you were in a service business, you had a landscaping business, right? Which yeah. was pretty much all accounts receivables. Yeah. And so you learned a lot about cash flow management, cash flow management, probably because you had such a high receivable. Everything you did was a receivable.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I in my landscape history and in my landscape world, there was a couple of things, but I would go and mow your yard and put in plants or fertilizer, or do, do all of these kinds of things. And I primarily did it at my expense to begin with. And then I would bill you and I would have another 30 days um, that I would expect that receivable to come in. And I may get, I may get it, I may not. Uh, in the meantime, I've produced another month while I was waiting on your on the previous month. Mm-hmm. So now I'm two months behind, whether you've paid me or not, at minimum.
1: And, and that's what gets a lot of sole proprietor slash service people in trouble is trying to manage what they're doing today versus what they did last month versus what they need to do next month. Yeah. And making sure they're getting paid for all that.
2: And so some of the mistakes that we talked about, I worked myself into a hole. I took uh, ch- I took jobs that were beyond my capability. Um, one of the things I would tell people is, as an entrepreneur, don't be afraid to say no to a job. Yeah. You know, understand that it's beyond your capability. And while the revenue and things may look great, um, I tell people, you can go broke being busy a lot faster than you can any other way. Right. Right. Um, and... So I took jobs that were beyond my capability, uh, beyond what my cash could handle, uh, what I could extend myself to do. Uh, They either slow paid or didn't pay all. And ultimately what I ended up doing was working myself into a hole where I cut labor, but I physically on my own could not produce enough to work my way out.
1: Yeah, and that's what you were trying to do, probably at the yeah. time.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I thought, oh my gosh, if I cut this labor, if I get out of this, right, and I can go, and I physically could not work enough, yeah, to get out. Yeah, and it's a pretty lonely place.
0: This episode of the How of Car Washing is sponsored by Focused Car Wash Solutions. Focused Car Wash Solutions is your complete guide to having a successful business. In the car wash industry, whether you are a new investor or a seasoned operator looking to make improvements, the experienced team at Focus can help you every step of the way. For more information, please go to FocusedCarWash.com.
1: that gets into your next topic here where you talk about it's never as bad or as good as you think it is and the importance of controlling your emotions. So t- tell me a little bit about that. I mean, obviously, when, when you've sunk so much into it, and I, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you got to be a little bit, op- you got to have an optimistic outlook. And that optimistic outlook can get you to overlook a lot of things that maybe you should not overlook. And some of that's probably okay. Because if you take a realistic view to being an entrepreneur, if you took the statistics and... Said that you know eight out of ten entrepreneurs are going to fail in the first five years of their business. You would look at the statistics and think, "Well, this is not a very good idea. I shouldn't be even thinking about that." But the natural optimism of I can I can prevail. I can be one of the twenty percent that's going to be successful. Gets me, um, you know, gets me to do things that maybe I wouldn't ordinarily do, which is good. Yeah. Um, so, but when when you know, so you've got the high emotions and you've got the low emotions when things are bad. How do you? do you keep it all all together
2: well you know this this is a learned experience thing right and um if we go back to the car wash uh it can even happen week over week um uh today if we look out your window in the office here it's snowing yeah and it's not a good car wash day right right and and um if your business is kind of struggling today could be a very depressive depressing day for you, right? I'm not earning revenue. Da 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 By the weekend it's supposed to be forty five degrees and you may be washing a lot of cars. Right. And you're standing on site saying I'm the greatest thing that ever walked. Right. Look at what I've built, right? So it can be a day to day, week to week thing. Um and so it's really um taking a long term look at what your experiences are. Um, you know, probably the the harder one is the um Things are bad time. That's the harder one to get out of. It's the harder one to manage. It's the harder one to see the other side of, um, that there are good times coming. Um, And it may not... This is where it gets difficult. It may not be in that business. It may not be in this current thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But good times are coming. Yeah. And that gives you the optimistic outlook to see things for what they really are. Yeah. Um, And so when things are bad that's the hard one to get out of. Um, and you know, I tell people things are never as good as you think they are and they're never as bad either. Um, and it's what you begin to feel. Um, you and I were talking the other day, right? You, you can be looking at the last year of your car wash and, volume can be off a little bit, or revenue can be off for a little bit, or employee turnover can be off, you know, can be up, and customer complaints can be up. And, you know, there's all these factors that go into these things. And if you begin to focus on those, you begin to think all things are bad. Yeah. And then you begin to have knee-jerk reactions to what maybe is not really a problem at all. Maybe it's weather-related. Maybe it's economy-related. Maybe it's Maybe your product is coming out bad, and you just haven't really looked at your equipment, right? And so you can kind of add all of these things together and feel like everything is really bad, and you can get into a place where you stop trying.
1: Yeah. So you talk about the concept of shutting down, and we've seen people people do that.
2: Yeah. I got to a place in my landscape company where I shut down. Yeah. And people say, you know, um, when things when times are bad, you know who your real friends are because mm-hmm. they're the ones that stick around. And I bought into that concept, not realizing that I was a miserable human being to be around. I was a shell of a person. And I got up and I worked and I did my thing, but I was, I was miserable to be around mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I would shut down.
1: Yeah. It was um, almost a feeling of hopelessness, I guess, at that point.
2: Yeah, it was. And, and my family would say, well, you know, would you quit? And I, I remember the day like it was yesterday. Yeah. And I would say, if I had anywhere to go, I would quit tomorrow. But I felt I had no options. I had no place to move. I had no place to go. Yeah. So all I knew was to get up tomorrow and load up the lawnmower and go mow some grass. And go do something. And go do something. Yeah. Yeah. And it was producing no fruit. It was making me miserable. I was further behind at the end of the day than I was when I started the day. But it was all I knew to do. Yeah. And so it made me a miserable person to be around, and I began to shut down.
1: So looking back at that, what would you have done differently now that you've got a little bit of hindsight on that? What, how could you have – so obviously trying to, trying to realize that things aren't as bad as you think. Things aren't as good, but things aren't as bad. Trying to keep a little bit more of an um, uh, even-keel emotional state. But what would you have actually done differently as a result of that? Would you have gotten out earlier? Or would you uh,
2: – It depends on how far back you want to go. You would have never gotten in it? Is uh, that no, no, <laughs> <saying>? <laughs> no, no, not that I wouldn't have ever done it. Um, I've since learned that I far enjoy – Uh, Horticulture and design and uh, growing things back to my farm agricultural background Mm -hmm. more as a hobby than I do as a business and as a career. Right, Um, I think that's probably one thing that came out of it later after I was after I distanced myself from it for for a while that was hard to see at the time. But from a pure business standpoint, things that I would have done differently. The first few years were really good and. This is the the other side of you think things are good and you think they're going to last forever, right? And so when we went when we were talking earlier about not putting money away for taxes and not putting money away for um, future expenditures, and I didn't, I spent both personally and professionally. Yeah, I spent money. Yeah, uh, because I thought this contract that I have is going to last is going to be again next year. I'm going to get it again next year. Yeah and not only am i going to have that contract but i'm going to have two more and so i didn't i didn't have a realistic view of that they may this contract may leave me for someone who thinks they can do it cheaper and faster yeah so i thought my contracts would last forever so i spent money i never i never really saved so that was that was a mistake from a business standpoint i thought things the good times were going to keep rolling
1: yeah yeah that's a common mistake i see people make Get, uh in business especially since the economy here in Colorado right now is good I see people buying new trucks I see people buying new homes i see them buying mountain mountain homes and and you know because i've i've been through two three economic cycles I know one day it's all going to stop yeah. and these people didn't think about the fact that you know the good times are not going to last forever and uh, they're going to put themselves in a in a bad situation or you know they're gonna do what they did before 10 years ago, they're going to go bankrupt and sell all their assets off. And when the next economic boom comes, they'll do the same thing. They don't seem to learn the same lessons yeah. as far as how do you how do you sustain that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it goes back to the concept we talk about. Being an entrepreneur is a very lonely business. Being a business owner, being a sole proprietor is a very lonely business, even though you're surrounded by a lot of people, because you're the person that's got to make the decisions, and you've got all the responsibilities, and you're trying to decide – What's the right thing to do here? And there's really no right answer one yeah. way or another. And so that goes back to maybe if you had an accountability group or a business group that you could have been involved with, do you think that might have helped a little bit, help you not shut down, help you not, you know, react and make bad decisions?
2: If I would have had some guidance, yeah. Um, and somebody to talk me through, you know, and to see, uh, to see the future, you know, Um And and then there were some things that I needed a a new trailer. Well, I didn't need an $8,000 enclosed trailer. I needed something that I could load something on and go to the next place. And someone to to help me walk through what that monthly payment was going to look like, right? At the time, I could do it and I could buy it and my monthly cash flow was fine. When things slowed down or when I lost a contract or when person Y didn't pay me on time, I didn't understand what that meant to my cash flow. Right. right. And I didn't understand. So um, I had a lot of, I didn't have a lot of business coaching. Um,
1: Yeah, you just sort of jumped out of college into owning your own business.
2: Yeah. Um, And so uh, accountability groups and um, having someone that you can talk to, um, even if it's not, there's a lot of business principles that apply regardless of what business you want to get into. Uh, There's a lot of business principles that are across the board. And so surrounding yourself with good people, successful people, and then listen to them.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. This yeah, is a different you, yeah. topic of the entrepreneurial, oh, yeah. yeah, but. Yeah. Right? But, That's going
1: to be a whole other podcast. Yeah,
2: but understand, you know, surround yourself with good people, successful people, and then be humble enough to listen to them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It seems like in our business, the people that I like the most and the people that are, tend to be the most successful are the people who are always seeking out uh, new ways of doing things and listening to other people and not going into things or going into ideas with preconceived notions. We yeah. we know a lot of people that are like that, and we you know, but we tend yeah. to surround ourselves with people that are not, and we tend to you know surround ourselves around people that are relatively successful. So thinking about the good times, what what do you need to do to kind of mitigate? Mitigate, I guess, is a good word, but uh, to mitigate the good times and make sure you, you don't turn it into. Party like it's
2: 1999. Um, remember the bad times. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, have a, have again a long term view, right? Um, remember that it was bad and always remember how hard it was to start.
1: Okay. That's a good point.
2: You know, a lot of times I see is as a more mature business, right? And people use this five year milestone, right? And, oh, I made it to five years. I made it above the 20% I'm in. Yeah, and that's not true. Yeah, there, there's still the opportunity for failure after you've made it five years. Yeah, um, and so remember how hard it was to start. Remember, remember the struggle. Remember what it looked like, and always be prepared. Right, and build margin. We talk about margin in your business and margin in your life and margin. Right, so build margin in, and that that comes through saving. That comes through.
1: Conservative business practices.
2: Conservative business practices, right? Yeah. uh, We talked about it earlier, right? And While maybe if you're losing $20,000 a month, looking at cutting chemical costs is not the place to go to first, but in the course of your business, it's very important to always make sure that you're efficient and that you're doing the best that you can, right? Now, that may mean that your cost per car is 45 cents and mine is 35 cents, but that's your cost. Don't try to compare it to mine if 45 cents is the best that you can do to produce the quality that you need to. Right. So, you know, don't think when times are good, even in times of good or times of bad, don't try to go compare to the next guy. Make sure that your business and that you've done the best that you can with what you've been entrusted with.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you also made a point here when things are going well, it's a it's a natural tendency to want to stop trying and say, "Okay, I've made it." I can rest now. I can let this thing go on autopilot, and that's a very that's a human nature yeah. issue. Yeah. Especially people in our business because they think it's it's a passive, it's a passive investment type of industry, and it's really not. And they want to go from a job that they're working hard at to something that they think that they're not going to have to work hard at. And and uh, I guess that's the biggest misnomer in the, in our industry is the fact that you don't have to work hard at it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's another. So when times are good, and Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. If you've, it, so yeah. this would be another thing. David and I read a lot of books. Mm-hmm. Um, we read a lot of things, um, and if you've heard this conversation, then you've heard <laughs> us reference a couple of books already, and so you can learn from those things. But one of the things he says is, the minute that you think you're on top, you're on the bottom, because you stop trying. Yeah. You 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 give up being the aggressor. And trying to be better at your business and more efficient. Or Kodak is a great example in business history of um, print pictures and film. Mm-hmm. And well, they didn't make it. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And 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 it wasn't because maybe they stopped trying to produce a better quality print, but they stopped looking at what the future told them. Yeah. And they stopped paying attention uh, I got asked the other day what 's the what does the car wash of the future look like? Well, you better be thinking about it if you 're in the car wash business, and Kodak should have been thinking about what does the picture of the future look like yeah and uh when you when you 're on top and Kodak was by far the largest market share, they probably got caught in the bubble of stop trying, yeah, stop looking,
1: yeah. It's really easy to do, i got to tell you, but I, I force myself not to do that, and I probably go to the way of the other end of the spectrum where people make fun of me because I'm so paranoid about every little aspect of my business, wanting to make sure that we're doing everything we can and make sure it's the best at everything we can do. I probably take it to the extreme, and there probably is a middle ground, and I've gotten better over the years of not trying not to sweat the small stuff, but... You know, Andy Grove, the CEO of Intel, said only the paranoid survive, and I guess I took that a little, uh, a little too too much to heart <laughs> because I found myself uh, being a little bit paranoid. But but I think it's good. I think it's, I think I, I I think we do very. You know, we're successful in what we do, and I can't tell you what it is. You know, out of the hundred things I do, which ones make a difference, which ones not? So I just do them all. I just do them all. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. You know, but but I've gotten better
2: about it. Well, it's funny you say that, right? And um, David and I worked together in his business and in my business. And, um, we, we were helping David and we're doing a website and I hate square corners on a website.
1: I remember that. Yeah. It
2: drives me insane. Yeah. And David never looked twice at it. Right. He had something else that I thought was insignificant. Yeah. Um, but rounded corners are a thing for me. And I think it, and so I just can't produce anything without rounded corners. Yeah. And um, so it's interesting what people focus on, right? And my paranoia things are different than your hundred paranoia things. Right, 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 right. And it probably makes, I don't know, maybe it doesn't make any difference on a website. But because I produced one that was successful with rounded corners, that's the way they have to That's got to be. They got to be that way. They got to right. be that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: That makes a lot of sense. I, I think the same thing. I think, well, we got to do it this way, and and so that's where you're constantly examining yourself, challenging yourself, listening to other people, you know, and that's that's where I surround myself with a lot of people. I, I get a lot of input, as you well know, <laughs> drives you crazy sometimes, <laughs> but uh, I like to get input from a lot of different people so I can sort of formulate my ideas. So I'm, I'm always hungry for opinions and. Uh, different perspectives and you know, always trying to learn, as you are through reading and being part of associations and getting together with other other car wash owners and other business operators makes a difference. So uh, the one thing you, you said here it says they will not last forever. So the good times don't last forever, and businesses sometimes don't last forever either. I mean, sometimes businesses have a life cycle to them, and that's sometimes hard for people because they could have invested ten years of their lives into that particular business. But it could be a business that's changing. It could be a business that's no longer needed. I mean, think of taxi drivers who, multi-generational people have invested in that business, and now you're seeing such disruption with Uber and Lyft and shared car services. And, you know, those people accounted on that for the rest. I mean, they paid hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, for the right to have a taxi in some cities. And now, you know, they're wondering what's, what's going to be next. So... Thoughts on that?
2: Uh, Yeah, you know, there's a lot of things in this world that don't last forever. As you were talking, I was thinking the U.S. Post Office. Email has disrupted the U.S. Post Office. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, And um, it started as Pony Express and evolved into something really quite fantastic, if you thought about it. How many pieces of mail, right? And uh, it was a business season, and through technology and things, it just was doomed to not last forever. Through nobody's fault of their own. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, you know, when I say th- it doesn't last forever, and this, remember the hard times, remember the good times. Um, it's easy for me to look back now. My landscape company produced something, regardless of how it ended, it produced something good. And recognize that for seasons and what seasons are in a business, cycles, and it's not reflective of your work. It's not reflective of who you are. It's not reflective of how hard you tried, right? It can just be you were really smart, you were really good, you were re- you worked really hard. It just wasn't the right time and place for that landscape company.
1: Yeah, and that's the same philosophy we had with our yogurt shop that we opened up. Our second, we still had one open, but we closed one down. It was like, well, it just didn't work out. It just, for whatever reason, some of the assumptions we made or the place we put it or the demographic we put it in it just didn't work out. So it wasn't an indictment on us or our business ability or who we are as a person. It just had a life cycle and it just didn't get, uh, you know, it tried to get off the ground and it was it was moving pretty good, but it couldn't get any altitude, and so it was time to time to land it.
2: So. Yeah, and and that goes to um, managing your emotions. And that's part of the good times don't last for either and neither do the bad. Um, and so you really have to work hard. And, and this is another part of work. And it doesn't, I think some people may be disconnected naturally. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not one of those people. And so I have to really work at times like that to manage my emotions and manage how I feel. And uh, I have to really work to remember the good times and re- really rework to remember what I learned uh, even though I have a college degree, as as I was selling my landscape company, a friend told me, Education costs money. I don't care where you get it.
1: No, that's a good point.
2: And yeah. so take what you've learned and go forward. Figure something else out. And go figure something else out, right? Yeah. And it cost me money and it cost me education, um, but it produced some really good things. But I have to work hard to remember my natural inclination is when times are good um, to take trips. To mm-hmm. go have fun, to buy another toy, to whatever, right? That's my natural inclination, yeah. and I want to, and I want to, I want to make joy for a lot of people, right? I want to buy something that everybody can use and brings things together, and right. But that's my natural inclination, and so I have to really pay attention to not do that, and I have to, I have to work hard to remember things, and um, and then there are times that. Regardless of how many friends I have, regardless of how many, um, communities I'm involved in, associations, uh, groups, whatever it may be, uh, 2 a.m. is a very lonely time. Yeah. And I have to remember, and I have to work hard to remember that when I wake up at 2 a.m. sometimes that there are better days ahead, um, and to not dwell on something. So yeah, uh, for me, it's a, it's a work thing. I have to work at it.
1: Yeah, and I do too. I do too. And I've I've had to really the last couple of years work on kind of detaching my emotions from from the business, right? Not being yeah. emotionally high when things are great, and being emotionally frustrated and upset and mad when things aren't going well, and you know, yeah. making sure I just kind of level it off. And and it does require a little bit of detachment. A little bit, uh, You yeah. know, that, that the business is not who you are. It's not a definition of who you are, either good or bad. Yeah. And, um, you know, the other thing about, about businesses, you know, closing or having life cycles, something that's I've been able to do in the last three to five years is I just keep my eyes open for opportunities. The world is full of opportunity. You just got to open your eyes and become aware of it. But if this doesn't work out for us today, if you know, car washing gets shut down for whatever reason. We got to go find something else to do. We'll go find something else to do. We'll be successful at it. Yeah. Because the world is full of opportunity for the people that are looking for it and paying attention. I mean, I've got more business ideas and opportunities than I can even, uh, and, you know, I've got 10 lifetimes of business opportunities I'd like to be involved in. I just don't have the time for them. But, uh,
2: but this goes back to what I said earlier. Don't be afraid to say no to something. Right. Right? Because you can overextend yourself and hurt the goose that laid the golden egg, so to speak. whatever that is, right? I mean and so don't be afraid to say no to something because it's not the right time. Right. Um and the right place for you to do it.
1: It's not the right thing. It's not your core competency. It's yeah.
2: All of those factors. Yeah. Yeah, um, it gotta
1: be taken into consideration.
2: Yeah, yeah. So um, it's it's important to manage your emotions and really ground yourself, right? And uh detachment is maybe a weird word to use there because you want to be passionate about what you're doing. Um, but understanding that it's not you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I've heard a lot of people talk about maybe passion might not be the best thing in business. And I I have to think about that a little bit, but Seth Godin, I don't know if you've ever read Seth Godin. He's, he talks about, you know, passion might not be a great thing because passion is, is emotional energy, which can run out over time. And and sometimes owning a business or doing creating something uh, will take longer than maybe your emotions or passions will take you. So I sort of think about that, and it's helped me a little bit of realizing I don't have to be passionate about everything, but I have to be committed, and I have to have the courage to go ahead and do it if it's something I believe in. I don't have necessarily have to be passionate about it. Yeah. Thoughts?
2: Uh, You know, yeah, I would use persistence okay there is a word that my family uses all the time about how do you succeed right um and how do you make it in business and um persistence right and commitment right um and so persis- persistence is a word that i I use quite a bit in my thought process of um i'm just gonna i st- i'm just gonna stick with it I'm just gonna keep going right and um then this gets into the detachment thing, where maybe there is a time to fold, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the old Kenny Rogers song. You got to know when to hold them and when to yeah, fold them, yeah. right? You got to, you got to, and but you got to have good counsel around you to know when that time is. But persistence pays off, and you know when times are bad, a knee jerk reaction is to have burnout and fold up into the corner and stick your thumb in your mouth and cry like a baby, right? And you gave up when one more swing of the axe hit the gold vein. And that's what persistence is sometimes. Yeah,
1: yeah. And having that wise counsel of knowing, you know, whether to do it or whether whether it's time to end it or time to keep going. Yeah. So I, I think of the thirty-eight special song Hold on Loosely but Don't Let Go. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it always comes back to uh, always comes back to yeah. some song. So
2: Well you were talking just a little bit ago and I love going to trade shows. I've been to some oil industry trade shows. I've been to several car wash trade shows and you were talking about opportunity and if tomorrow it all ended and i had to start again with just my children and my wife i'd be thankful i lived in the usa in america uh-huh. right because there is an endless number of ways to make money in this country if you're willing yeah and i love going to trade shows and walking and i see this guy and his son who've put up a booth and they're selling their thing and they thought they had a better way to do it and you know self-serve booms you go to a car wash show and there <laughs> there are lines of these booths with a this little self-serve boom that swings over your car right and they he was probably a guy that had a self-serve car wash and thought of a better way to make a boom yeah and now he's selling it you know i just it's it's just a great um experience to yeah. walk and look at the number of people who are doing it yeah yeah
1: that's exciting it's it is fantastic. exciting yeah. yeah so that's good so good discussion so if people want to find out more information about mm-hmm. you aaron and what you do where would they go
2: you can go to uh, our website www.focused F-O-C-U-S-E-D, carwash.com um,
1: focused solutions
2: focused, focused com. right okay. our company name is focused Wash solutions and we enjoy helping people through all of their aspects of the business um you know from equipment to consulting but just business uh, yeah and we, and we just enjoy talking business with people good,
1: good so give me your website one more time so because i probably confused <laughs>
2: <laughs> W dot f-o-c-u-s-e-d com. okay great
1: okay aaron thank you so much it's been fun today and uh We'll look forward to having you back sometime to talk about a few other subjects.
2: I appreciate it. Thanks, David. Okay.
0: Thanks for joining us on this episode of The How of Car Washing. And thanks to our show sponsor, Focused Car Wash Solutions. Please visit us at thehowofcarwashing.com for the show notes to this episode.